0: Hi! Hi, everyone. So, welcome to another episode here with Awakening from Within podcast. So, we have Rubina with here with us. So, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My name's Rabina Latham, and I'm from a company called Mastery of Purpose, which is my own business that I've just started.
0: That's amazing! That's amazing! That's so exciting. I'm super excited to learn more about your experience and where you are now, what you're doing. So, you want to go ahead and share more. story. Yeah, of course, of course. So, so a couple of monumental shifts in my, my life
1: when I started out. So the yeah. first time around when I was quite early on, uh, around yeah. in my 20s, I yeah. went through um, something that was quite horrific at the time, which was a forced arranged marriage. Um, and I was at university. I was studying my degree. So i um, wow. quite academic. So I've studied a B, B Ed honours degree. I've done a law degree and wow. then I've also done a master's degree. So I was quite obsessed <laughs> about studying. Yeah. Um, but my parents had another plan in mind, which was to, to get me married uh, and what have you. So I was forced into an arranged marriage at the time um, with somebody that obviously I didn't particularly want to be with. But it was what their wishes were. And yeah. as that generation, we kind of like respected that upper generation and I still respect them to this day so,
0: so uh, it's really mean, important to understand. So if you don't mind asking you what kind of culture did you are you coming from because I know there's certain culture where it's actually yes. a thing but yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so my, my background and my heritage yeah. my father was born in Delhi my mother okay. was born in Pakistan uh, and they both come from an Islamic background oh. um, so that that was the culture and the religion that I was born into very very orthodox. Um, okay. environment so so that kind of gives you the feeling in terms of where, where it came from and yeah. the tradition always was that children would be arranged to marry and their partners would almost be preempted um, from a very early age and agreed with yeah. everybody so that was the destiny yeah um, so so just in terms of that that took me on Um. you know I've, I was married for about five years um, mm-hmm. and it got to the kind of like the six between the sixth and the seventh year and yeah. essentially what happened is, when I was forced to marry, yeah. um, I was told at the time that if I, whenever I had problems, which I had problems all the time, yeah. because I was highly educated, married yeah. somebody who couldn't speak a word of English, couldn't wow. read or write. So okay. it was a very big, big challenge. Yeah. So I had to change kind of like my culture and assimilate myself to, to him, because mm-hmm. he, was a, he was a dominating factor and, and almost traditionally the breadwinner. Uh, but not the breadwinner, so to speak. So yeah. um, he he was then to be brought from Pakistan to England, um, yeah. and then I would have to have the whole home set up and the income stream set up to support yeah. him.
0: And wow. That was my duty.
1: So so I was taken to Pakistan. Yeah. I was um, forced into that marriage, and I was literally knew that I was either going to die if I didn't agree, or I would survive and I would marry. So I chose to survive.
0: Oh went through the whole
1: process and I stayed with the person and it got to a point where I had a, an epiphany moment let's say yeah. so in terms of that religion and any religion I would say um, people always sort of um, have the mindset that somebody out there the universe whoever it is that mm. forgiveness always comes in some shape or another if you Kind of like become repentful of your sins or or whatever it is. So, but unfortunately, I was conditioned into believing that I was a sinner and I was really bad and my punishment was to stay with this person. Yeah. But that one day came when I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. If God, the universe, whoever it is, can forgive us as human beings for our our wrongdoings, then who are we not to forgive each
0: other? 100%.
1: So when I realized that I thought, oh my god, yes, I, I don't need to be here anymore. Yes. I've served my time. Yes. I need to be moving out of this. So yes. with that, I took my son and found somewhere to live and I moved out. And wow. they, it was so scary because yeah. you're leaving a really controlled environment where your every breath you take is controlled, every yeah. decision, every thought you think you think that your family somehow can read your mind and you yeah. do think those things in case they find out what you're thinking. Yes. So for, to leave all of that behind at the risk of cutting my ties with everything I knew and stepping yes. into an unknown world was a massive courageous thing that I did. Yeah. But I did it. And when I woke up 24 hours later yeah. and I breathe and I didn't have to answer how I breathe, it was like, <gasps> wow this is freedom yeah So you know it was just an amazing amazing experience i've never looked back it was tough at times but it was an amazing so that was a real fundamental thing that i went through
0: oh wow but what do you think really triggered that epiphany because like sometimes we 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 know things but this there are moments where like they just click and just make sense yes So what do you think like triggered that epiphany for you?
1: Yeah. And I think it was always in me because I was quite, I've always been a creative person and a a fixer. I've got my reputation as a fixer and a problem solver. And Mm -hmm. I always knew that there's got to be something better. I've got to be able to make this situation better. I've got to find the answer. And when you obsess about thinking about what it is, what it is, it might not come to you in that moment yeah. Then some trigger happens, you watch something. So I can't pinpoint what it was. Maybe yeah. I watched something on TV. Maybe I was reading a book. Maybe yeah. I was doing a prayer. I don't know. Yeah. But something just, the penny dropped. And I'm thinking, Yeah. I feel like I was in a trance all these years. And yeah. suddenly I woke up and I'm thinking, oh my yeah. God, Yeah. this is the reality. This is the answer. So the answer comes to you in the most unexpected forms. Yeah. And that's what happened with me. And it was just Oh my God, it was just the most fundamental, profound yeah. experience of my life.
0: So what were you working back then?
1: Um, at that, that time, I yeah. was working um, as a teacher. So I was teaching um, in, in England. We have, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like A-level grades. So once you've gone through your primary and secondary school education, you then go on to an advanced level. Yeah. So I was teaching IT, and mm-hmm. I was teaching math, and I was teaching English. wow. But, uh, interesting thing was is that I ended up helping a lot of people who were suffering um, uh, victims of abuse and violence Um, and that's where I discovered my passion for fixing things for everybody including then I thought I need to also fix things in my life Um, so that then took a life of its own Um, so that at that time is where I was working
0: then. Yeah awesome and then so now you transitioned you moved out you you moved with with a child out and then what happened? Oh, and then what had happened then is, and then,
1: then the only job I had at the time, I was working yeah. in, that, in that job. So then suddenly I had the time and the headspace to think about other things than, yeah. than my personal mental well being or my personal life, because I'd almost kind of like part tick to the box in terms of getting towards my freedom point but yeah. then it got me the headspace to think about well where do I want to take my freedom next yes. and set, start to become more in control of my destiny yeah. so I was working for an organization yeah. but because I'm so creative and because yeah. I'm so obsessed about fixing problems yeah. I always try to put solutions forward yeah. but it wasn't necessarily welcomed or adopted or taken yeah. on board because then suddenly were people think people thinking. Hang on, this woman's coming in, disrupting our patterns. She yeah. wants us to do things in a better and efficient manner. Well, yeah. what's going to happen to my job? Am yeah. I going to become expendable? So yeah. then people start to control that situation, suppress yeah. your ideas and thoughts and yeah. say, no, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So then from there, I then went on a journey of grower thinking, I need to be setting the path for my destiny more. Yeah. So I started to transform yet again into yeah. another person that thinking I need to create something. So I had a few few jobs that I changed because yeah. I always obsessed about getting to the next level yeah, to the next level it. and the next level, because I thought maybe that's the answer for me to be able to control situations more yeah. and to have more say in how how things are progressed and directed. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point where I peaked my career yeah. um, and I was working as an IT consultant. I was uh-huh. developing master degree programs for clinicians yeah. all around the world to come and work and practice in the UK. Yeah. And I peaked my career at that moment. Yeah. But the only way for me to get to the next level, which is what I really wanted, was my boss would either, God, God forbid, would either die or yeah. she would leave the job. That was the only way I yeah. could get to the next level. And I thought, no, yeah. this is yeah. not my answer. I need yeah. to find something else. Yeah. So then I thought, you know what? Maybe I can set my own destiny by starting yeah. my own business. Yeah. So after which then, my first drinks company, idea and brand was born yes. so what happens is that when you get into that mindset of thinking about bigger better solutions that can yeah. provide you with your your dream and your aspirations you then start to things start to fall into place and then you start thinking about well what is the pain that I maybe suffered when I was younger that I could have enjoyed more what what was the big thing for me yeah and for the big thing for me was like kind of like the convenience of getting hold of drinks and stuff in the flavor that you wanted, however yeah. you wanted it. And I'm thinking, ah! and then you, and then what happens is you have yeah. to start to have more epiphany moments. So for yeah. me, the next epiphany was i walk into a cinema. They had a slush drinks machine. I'm thinking, yeah. that's it. That's how yeah. I want to develop my drinks that can fit into that. And there's yeah. no headache in preparing the drink. And yeah, that's how I came up with that model.
0: So, you actually started your own company?
1: My own drinks business. So, it was an wow. idea in my head. Yeah. I created the recipes for the drink. So, I wanted to create a cocktail stroke mocktail recipe. Yes. So, I actually came up with a mix that you didn't have to add anything to apart from if you want to turn it into a cocktail, you know how to put how much alcohol in. And if you want to just keep it as a normal drink, yeah. you just dilute it with water and put it through the machine. So okay. I wanted to be able to create a concept that could sell massive volumes. So within a year, yeah. I went from an idea in my head to yeah. launching my drink, proving the concept that it works by yeah. testing the market, and then created a solution to dispense a drink and approach yeah. the biggest stadiums in the country. Yeah, that's so I awesome. went And then my profit margin yeah. was 485% per drink. Wow. So it, cost me, it cost me pennies to make. Yeah, I could sell it for a massive value. So, yeah. when I went to stadiums, they loved the idea because nobody experiences. this. Yeah. And when you have 90,000 people who want to have a lime mojito and they yeah. want it all the tastes the same, they want the garnish in the drink, etc. I managed to create that solution via a backpack. Yeah. And I went from an idea to turning over half a million in one year. And every wow. year from that, I grew 100%. And why? Because it was the quality of service. It was the innovation of the idea. And it was the fact that my best marketing method was inviting other venues to come in to see what we're doing. And then they said, come to my venue, come to my venue, come to yeah. me and it grew so yeah. fast. It was amazing, absolutely amazing.
0: So was it an alcoholic drink or a non-alcoholic?
1: Mine, my recipe yeah. was non-alcoholic. And the reason okay. why it was non-alcoholic yeah. because there was many, many tax and duty benefits for doing that. And if the venue is already licensed to provide yeah. their own alcohol, all they yeah. need to do, because they can buy it cheaper than I would uh, buy, they yeah. just add it in and that's they true. make the cocktail and I that's give them the recipe. 100%. And it's so easy because they put it in a machine and they yeah. forget about
0: it. They just have to yeah. pour and serve.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: it yeah you know what really fascinates me is like you said you're a creative person and i've been meeting a lot of creative people and something that stops them is they have so many ideas and they're super excited and they want to change and the thing is people around you want to suppress that they they're kind of afraid of the change or you think they think that you think too much or you're too creative and you need to calm down because i personally experienced that from university experiences yeah and my question to you is so how did you to get this idea and actually do something about it? Like some people's um, limiting good beliefs would be, oh, I don't have the money or I don't have the expertise. How did you manage to get you having this idea and really making it in a company and into a business?
1: Yeah, so, so the art of it all is yeah. knowing how to find, being resourceful enough to find the solutions. So I had no money when I started, no money yeah. to invest. So what I did is I thought, right, this job that I'm doing is providing me with an income. Now what I need to do is to cream off the top level of my income and then put it in piecemeal money into this business that then tests the product refines a recipe gets it to market then what I had to do is I could you know if I had all the money in the world I could go and invest huge amounts of money set up my own manufacturing plant and do it all all that way that way I make even more money however I didn't have the luxury of that so then you have to think well how can I actually get to the pro- situation where it's my branded product and I can get it to market much, yeah. much quicker with less investment. So yeah. then what I did is I uh, found people who could make my recipe and manufacture it for me. Yeah. And then I had to find somebody who could use small enough volumes so that I could gradually grow and not yeah. have to order so much. Um, yeah. So I found a company who was prepared to do that with me um, yeah. and, and kind of like worked it from there. So they made me sample bottles, yeah. And they could do they would only fit it in whenever they had time, because obviously their core business was servicing bigger companies, yeah. so they said right at the end of the day when we finished we 'll put some mix in for you through one of our things and just throw it out for you and send you a bottle yeah so that 's how you can start It's slowly, slowly, small uh, yeah. steps you start putting minimal amount of investment it 's yeah. going to take a lot of work because I had to do most of it myself. Yeah. I had to do the admin, the bookkeeping, the promotion yeah. the research. My, I had to do it all myself, but I was doing that full-time yeah. as well as holding a full-time job. Wow. So doing 90 to 100 hours a week for me was, yeah. became the norm. I knew yeah. nothing else. So, so when you're trying to set up a business, mm-hmm. resourcefulness is so important to have mm-hmm. that in your mind
0: that yeah. no matter what your obstacle, you've always yeah. got to think of solutions that's true and so let's say you so you're the one making up the mixes right you already had the ingredients and you were testing it out so what you're doing is like you're slowly starting to outsource it so that someone else can create it for you and then market it. yes right that's right one one thing I also wanted to mention is that people get stuck there like okay now I know what I need to be doing now where do I look for it where do I search how did you do that like where did you search to look for this person that you're looking for
1: yeah. So all the things that I then did is I approached um, my local business uh, support agency in mm. my area to get some uh, starting with advice from them. And um, mm. they were able to um, offer me some funding that I could apply for. Um, so it's like startup funding. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, so I got some seed money from them and that helped me put a business plan together. but through their contacts they put me in touch with the local university who had a food department where they did research and then i met with them so it's all about networking Then, so you find one person who then leads you to the next leads you to the next and the next and then it it took me on this pathway to making more and more contacts and then what i did i was learning the language in terms of when i need to search on google or something to find for the right supplier then I know the right words to be typing in to find those people. So eventually I learned the language and then I learned to search for that specialism in that area. And then when I started to get the results, and that's where my suppliers list started to come up. And I contacted every single supplier yeah. I could find until eventually I found the right one for me. Yeah. So it's really good to, really, really useful to have your your goals, your strategies and your values in place. So you yeah. know what people need to measure up to when yeah. you want to take them on board.
0: That's amazing. And how did you manage to balance the two lives? Like how, when did you have time for your company? When did you have time for your personal work
1: oh wow so yeah. the, the, being a mother i suppose makes you very very time um uh, efficient so yeah. i uh obviously i've you know i've kind of mothered my child since he was um well since he was a baby really yeah. um, and i learned to juggle that with yeah. home life with serving my husband at that time so yeah. i would work i would go to work i would take care of my son and I would feed the husband, I would keep yeah. the house clean. So being a domestic kind of goddess, as people like yeah. to call it, is really paramount. So you, you do that in your normal life and all you've got to do is think about, well, how do I do it in what works for me in that environment? How do yeah. I apply that into a working environment? Yeah. So then it's a little thing like, I had a big to-do list and yeah. an action plan And I had timelines on it. So I said, by this date, I need to achieve this. By this date, I need to achieve this. And that's what kind of drove me forward. So sometimes, whilst it's great to have the long-term goals and the medium-term goals, you've got to niche it right down to every task you need to do on a daily basis that will then carry it forward
0: yeah that's amazing that's awesome oh my god that you're just so it. that's such an amazing experience that you had there and i truly feel like it's so empowering to share your side of the story um so now okay now you started your own company your company's doing well right so yeah. what was the next step for you
1: Well, then what had happened is that when I started to get into stadiums and then we had, um, you know, my drinks were doing really, really well. Um, People I could see were struggling to get served a drink at the bar. And uh, when they went to the bar, the queues were just so huge. Um, And then the average pouring time for a a pint of beer, for example, would take 15 seconds. So. Can you imagine if you're watching a football match and when yeah. it comes to half time, you have 15 minutes to get the drink, go to the loo, get yourself yeah. refreshments, whatever it is, get, yeah. back yourself, get yourself back to that seat. Yeah. And very often, many, 30% of the audience were not able to get a drink because they were at the back of the queue and
0: mm-hmm. they just couldn't
1: get served in time. So oh. there was a huge amount of disappointment. Yeah. And then the venues were then panicking because they're thinking we're losing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. so then what I then did is start to approach them with a situation where I said look if I can take a drink to these people without yeah. them losing their favorite spot in the concert venue or stadium wherever they are yeah. and make sure we get sales in for you would you want us to do that yeah and they said oh my god if you can offer that solution yes definitely hands down we'll have yeah. you in And we agreed obviously a deal between each other Um, and then we went in and I would have a small team of staff Mm
0: -hmm. where we would
1: get the beer ready, put it in a backpack on their backs and they would go and hit the back of the queues, go and get people where they were sitting, serve the drinks. But I did one better. I thought the bar's taking 15 seconds to pour one pint. I need to pour that pint in next to no time. So I created and invented a system where we could pour a pint in two seconds.
0: Oh my, that's amazing! Wow! <laughs> so I thought, I thought to
1: myself, if I can pour and serve a drink within two seconds, yeah. I'm going to get more sales. And this yeah. is what my venues, I know they'll love it, because the more money I can make for them, the more yeah. they are going to want me. So next yeah. thing you know, I had the race courses coming to watch, I had the football clubs coming to watch, uh, yeah. the concert venues, No, I didn't know when they came. They yeah. just watched me from a distance. Yeah. And then, before the end of the event, They would come and see me in my station and said, Rubina, we've got this event coming up. Can you get started next week? Can you come to this in two weeks' time? We need you to come. So in one day, I would draw in the highest sales on record ever in that venue. So we would get 60, 70, 80, 90,000 pounds in cash transactions alone. And they were like, oh my God, you are smashing this. You are so smashing this. And, And I was just putting it out, but... Yeah. The key to it is, is investing in your business and looking after the tools and the people that run your business. So I always yeah. incentivize and motivate my staff. And you've got to yeah. do that because whatever product or service you're nurturing and growing, you've yeah. got to look after it because it yeah. will save you well.
0: That's amazing. And how, how much do the company, like how many employees do you have in your company?
1: Well, It was was, uh, reflective of the size of the event. So if I was Mm. running a big race event, for example, in Liverpool, we had a big race course. And when they had the Grand National at the races, uh, I employed up to 120 staff on one day. And then we would have to monitor those across the whole site. So we would be walking around, walking around, making sure they run it. So I have run small teams of two or three people right up to 120 staff.
0: Yeah, awesome. Perfect. By the way, I just want to apologize because I'm not That's really okay. sure what's going on with my camera. It just shot <laughs> off in the middle. So it's not That's going on again. So sorry about that. That's, all right. That's, perfect. That's okay. Perfect. Um. now yeah. you, you're still going on
1: with your business? Is your business still going on? No, because unfortunately then what had happened is this is, a, this is the lesson that I now draw on and I teach people through my mastery of purpose yeah. is that my business grew so fast that when you start to grow your business, rather than going through a, a steady incline, if yeah. you're going to go from kind of like here and you're going to go there. Yeah, You have to be prepared to deal with that situation. You've yeah. got to have the capability and capacity to grow with it. Yeah. And, and the important aspect of any business is that yeah. your business cannot be just about you. It's got to be the business model that works. So yeah. God forbid, if you were to die, That business has to have a life of its own to continue Mm -hmm. without you being present. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest mistake I made because then I became so precious about making sure the quality was right, making sure Mm -hmm. everything was spot on. I was so obsessed with making sure it was so right that I kind of like forgot my own personal well-being in that process. So it grew so fast. I was running four events on the same day in yeah. different parts of the country yeah. and I was coordinating all of that so unfortunately then yeah. because of that situation I couldn't control it because yeah. I needed to be on site I yeah. couldn't be in at the same time that it all started to fall apart because the quality wasn't being maintained the way I wanted to do yeah it. Uh, But then unfortunately, what had happened, it impacted massively on my health. So I was doing 22-hour shifts a day, which I would never say, don't anybody ever do 22 (laughs) hours a day. I was doing 22 hours a day. I ended up having a a nervous breakdown. And that led me to then being diagnosed with an irreversible condition, which was called fibromyalgia and that was on wow. a chronic level where I couldn't, I couldn't um, eat p- properly, I couldn't swallow, I, could, I was in pain from my head to my toes. And they, the rheumatologist consultant at the time said to me, yeah. I'm really sorry to say, but there is no cure and there is yeah. no way for you to reverse this condition. And I said, wow. because I'm a fixer, I'm like, well, yeah. I can't be like this for the rest of my yeah. life, you know. I couldn't even walk 10 yards anymore. Yeah. Where I used to walk the whole stadium. Yeah. And he says, Well, I'm gonna have to put you on a strong course of opiate medication, uh-huh. and you need to take it every two hours. Yeah. So of course, when you're taking opiates, it totally you turn into a zombie. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't move, I couldn't think, I couldn't even hold a sentence together. Yeah. So they, the time came again, the fixer in my mind said, yeah. you can't be like this. You've got to change. Yeah. You've got a husband, you've got a child, you've got to get yeah. forward. So unfortunately, I had to close a business, yeah. but then I had to get myself better. Yeah. So I then did my own research to find mm-hmm. ways in which I could use other methods to instead of medication, so yeah. relaxation, meditation, yeah. taking time out undertaking health beneficial or mentally beneficial exercise mm-hmm. like yoga and yeah. i was obsessed and i was doing that day in day out and yeah. you know in nine months unprecedented yeah. nobody is reversing the symptoms to the degree i went from 95 percent severity down to nine percent within nine months it was wow. unbelievable it was unbelievable and i turned my life around today yes i still have the fibromyalgia but it's controlled
0: very yeah. controlled. Wow! Wow, that's amazing. And did did food have a huge part on that too, as well, like the yes. food choice? Jo- wow. Okay. And and what 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 would you say? What kind of food choices helped you help yeah. you deal with that with that?
1: Yeah, so the, the, the then it was going from processed foods because that's all yeah. I had, all I had time for, to yeah. then coming to turning my life around, having wholesome foods. Yeah, take, eating foods that are more closer to their raw state as much yeah. as you can, um, yeah. uh, and, and consume that. Yeah. to cut out all the uh, processed foods like the carbs and you know things that were processed. Yeah, um, taking them out of my diet, making sure I drink a lot more water. Yeah, and getting my <laughs> sleeping. So it wasn't yeah. no longer just two hours a day, it yeah. was then increased to, to seven and yeah, seven hours a day. So I was doing, you know, I was managing to get to sleep, um, yeah. you know, and making sure I was rested. I also then mental activities as well that you do is that you think more about your food preparation, how are you going to prepare the right kind of food? And, yeah. and that's what then became my new passion because I yeah. love creating recipes. Yeah. And creating the food side was, was a pleasure um, yeah. and, and it gave me a new sense of direction at that time.
0: That's amazing. I know a lot of people talking about the breads and dairy and being not good. Yeah. Is that true or what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, uh, a lot of the tests these days, you know, people say, go gluten-free. Yeah. It um, seems to be a big buzzword. And, yeah. uh, we, you know, many of the allergies that are, I, I would say in my experience that are, yeah. are neurological and they become a part of your, um, how can I say, it affects your mental well-being yeah. is that if you have things like bread and you have a heavy carbohydrate processed diet. Yeah. It does almost sit in your system a bit like sludge. And it takes time to shift it because your body can't eliminate that and process it as quickly, whereas uh-huh. if it was something that was more wholesome and, and, and more natural, then yeah. you're able, your, your body is able to deal with that a little bit better. so uh-huh. you know the, the impact of having processed foods like the bread, the yeah. the chipped potatoes and stuff, it yeah. affects your your alertness, it makes you more lethargic, and it makes you more tired. But yeah. cutting those out on my diet is what I, cause I just tried and tested anything. I thought, yeah. let's cut this one out. Let's see what uh, effect it has on my mental and well-being yeah. and it cutting out the bread and a lot of the processed food. Yeah. Oh my God, my alert levels went from down there where I was so tired all the time yeah. to now becoming very active.
0: So wow. it does make yeah. a massive impact. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, of course. And what what is what was your next step? So now you started to heal yourself, you started to take care of yourself. What was the next step for you?
1: So then I went into a journey of a bit of soul searching
0: because yeah. it forced
1: me to ground myself to actually identify what is my true purpose. Yeah. What is it I really want in life? Is it chasing the money boat? And yeah. try and become really wealthy, have the big house and all those things in my life. Or is it actually doing something a little bit more meaningful? So yeah. like, I need to draw inspiration from people who have kind of like been there, done yeah. that, experienced all the adversities that I'd experienced in yeah. their life. How did they overcome and come out the other end? So I yeah. then started to watch videos and uh, podcasts and listen to and read books that were quite spiritually orientated but looking at how other people had dealt with it so I drew inspiration from them and that really that period of time of recovery got me really to reflect on what was important to me and it has always gone back to that thing that I referred to when it all my journey started is I need to fix problems I yeah. need to be the thing that I need to find solutions yeah so which now mastery of purpose has emerged because yes. I know that I can help people who are going through adversities yeah but I can also help people grow their businesses exponentially and uh-huh. not have to go through the obstacles that I went through yeah and they, they now benefit from my let's say 35 years of experience and now I'm combining it down into short programs that they can say oh my god you never get taught this in a university or a business school or anywhere you only get this taught by somebody who's been there done that and washed the t-shirt so that is what I'm doing now and honestly it's like I cannot believe how successful it's become only over the last short period of time one and another person hears about and they're like Ravina I need you to tell me how to do this because I'm stuck Yeah.
0: And you know what, what I find very interesting and exciting is how, how would you say you would reach out to people? Like, do you, do you kind of promote yourself on your social media and expect people to come to you? Or do you go and approach people and tell them, okay, I can help you with this?
1: So I did one of two things. I do yeah. face-to-face networking, obviously because of the pandemic, we can't do it as much. Yes. So that's forced me into um, becoming part of networks, being become a part of groups virtually via social media. Uh-huh. And then what I do is I connect with these people but I don't go in with the mindset that I'm going to sell them something. That's absolutely not the purpose behind it. This is about adding value to their life and their purpose. And when I build that rapport with them, then Mm -hmm. they will say to me, how can you help me with this a little bit more, Yeah, And that's best way to do it for me it's more about making a difference than making the money because yeah. once you make a difference and an impact on somebody's life the money starts to take care of itself yeah. so yeah. that's what I'm doing is that some people approach me directly because they're getting to know me via social yeah. media but mostly I'm approaching people I yeah. want to get myself visible on platforms yeah. like with yourself Adele for example yeah. Ada sorry is to, 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 to let people know that there are these people like me are out there to really really help you make a difference yeah. with your life.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And when you approach them because I I've, I've talked to some few people as well and they're like, "Okay, when I'm approaching them, I feel like I'm marketing and selling, but I I don't want to be that." What would yeah. you say like what would you say to them?
1: Yeah. Well, you see the thing is is that don't ever go in with a mindset that you need to make money out of this. Because if, mm-hmm. if you go in and, and come across as being, I need to do this because it's my business and I need to make money out of it. I've got a product, so I want you to buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to do that. The art of how I do things is the art of kind of like steering a conversation, trying to find the pain points of these people and then offering the solutions. And by doing that, I'm not actually coming across as salesy. I'm just coming across as somebody who wants to help somebody. But what I'm actually doing is they're moving on a pathway to becoming a master of their own purpose. And Uh when they do that, they know where I'm coming from. They know what my values are. They know what my principles are. And it's a case of, how do I get involved with being a, how do let me I, I need to sign this dotted line straight away I need yeah. to get onto your program so yeah. it's never about how much it's going to cost or anything like that yeah. of course they want to know how much it costs you do that yeah. but it's more a case of what difference and what value am I going to give them and they yeah. always get what they want but then I deliver them 10 times more 20 yeah. times more because that's my passion
0: yeah yeah that's awesome so who would you say are the ideal clients to come and ask you to work with like who should who could who should approach you um how can you help them
1: yeah so there's two 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 categories one category is entrepreneurs that have already started their business and Mm -hmm. they want to scale it up to the next level and not quite sure where how and where and how to take it now Mm -hmm. if they want to you know, if they've got a vision that they need to be doubling the impact of their business, so mm-hmm. i.e. doubling the size of their business, doubling their income and profit, if mm-hmm. they want to get that in the next 12 months, then they'll come to me. And those are my target group for signing up to our mastermind programs, which mm-hmm. are 10 weeks long. Um, they get so much value out of it. Not only do they get written material, they get me talking to them every, every very often. And then they get one-to-one support with me as well. And yeah. then other things that I do is... I target people who want to make a breakthrough in their life and Mm -hmm. identify their true purpose. So Mm -hmm. we do another mastermind program that takes a slightly general approach to somebody who really wants, who's got the ambition and drive to get to that next level, Mm -hmm. but not quite sure how to strategically plan it. So Mm -hmm. I take them through our breakthrough program, for example, Mm -hmm. that's going to last up to three to four weeks and they'll have a challenge to do every week and we make, help them uh, make monumental shifts in their thinking and their focus to get to their end goal. So so yeah. in a long way, the markets are business is one and just ambitious people on the other side for the, for the other programs. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. And I have a question as well. So um, you've heard some people say that, you know what, purpose, you're not born with a purpose, you make up your purpose. Um, What do you think about that? Do you think each one of us has their own purpose or...
1: Yeah, we've all got it in within us, you know, and if, um, I don't know how people are, how much spiritual you might be or anything like that, but I have a firm belief that there is a reason why we're on this planet and there is, we've got a purpose that was, you know, kind of like there, then it's been an untapped purpose that we haven't quite yet found. As a child, you'll not know what that is because you're exploring the world. And then eventually, the more you learn, the more you experience, the more you start to then hone into what is it that actually gets me up and out of bed in the morning? Yeah. What gets me motivated? And, and it's identifying all of that. So it's almost like saying, Well, what do I hate doing? And yeah. once you develop, because it's so much easier to, to say, I don't want to do this, I don't yeah. want to do that. And then after yeah. do you, do, you do the not to do's, yeah. it emerges your purpose. Yeah. You're thinking, Wow, <laughs> is this my niche? Is that yeah. my specialism? So I do believe it's always there. It's a case of finding finding that niche um, and finding tools that help you identify that. um, One of the worst things we can do is be massive, creative, have lots and lots of
0: ideas and do Mm -hmm. nothing with it. You've got to have the support to put it into a a structured plan. That's that's so true. And I've, I've also, like, there's a category that people fall are under, which is the creative category. And yeah. that's where the imagination is always flowing. They have the ideas. But what happens at times is like, I have so many ideas. I want to do so much. But how? How do I get yeah. this thing going? So, yeah. yeah, that's something like I definitely am looking forward to. My goal is to connect people who are creatives with people who are implement. So it's, yes. it's, it just actually fits perfectly well together. So yeah, a hundred percent. And so now you're currently working on this or you're currently working on your... Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so now, sorry to cut you.
1: Yeah, now I'm working on the mastery of purpose business. So we have now just... uh, Uh, completed one, one uh, of those one program, which is really great, which is the, the breakthrough program. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be launching in about a month's time. Uh, the the 10 week mastermind program for businesses as well. So it's something that I work on a daily basis. Um, 24 but not 24 hours a day yeah awesome time managed on that and um you know so i do that and and i also have private clients as well that Mm -hmm. i personally coach um uh you know on a on a regular basis um Mm -hmm. just to help them make the breakthroughs and also really importantly out the mastery of purpose is to become a master of your purpose you've got to find ways in which to let go of the past live in the present and plan for the future and live as if you're living in your future. Once you can do that in your present, my goodness, you're going to have monumental shifts in everything you do personally and professionally. So I do help people on a one-to-one basis on that. Um, I have a lot of analytical tools that I've created to help people identify what their trait is personality wise and how to maximize and exploit that. But also to understand personalities and traits of all the people they work with yeah. in their environment or in their, even in their home and personal life understand the personalities and communicate with people how they would yeah. like to be communicated to rather yeah. than the way around and honestly it's so powerful i'm so yeah. passionate about it i yeah. just want many people to get yeah. involved as in possible because honestly it, it is it's 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 amazing
0: Yeah. And when you mentioned something, you mentioned that imagine yourself in your present moment living in your future. What do you mean by that? So if you let's say, for
1: example, um, let me give you a a very easy analogy. So say somebody dreams of living in a castle. They dream of having all the money in the world that they don't have to worry about when they're going to pay the next bill or how they're going to allocate a budget to this or that or the other. Yeah. They're living in the future. They've got all the money that they want. They've got the yeah. amazing house. They've got all the lifestyle, how they want to be in their life, and they're really, really happy. Yeah. And if they can imagine themselves being like that in 12 months' time, there's nothing to stop you from experiencing that today. Yeah. you just got to be able to picture it. And if you can picture it, visualize it as a, a real thing and yeah. start living in that today, then what yeah. happens is that suddenly you're not being... You're not coming across as being desperate when you're trying to get a sale because yeah. you're already there. So then, yeah. when you're talking to somebody, you're actually passionately selling, passionately putting forward your product and service yeah. without saying, Oh my God, I need to sell this thing. I yeah. need to make money out of it because that's not yeah. what it's about. And when we will see because then you're, you're moving towards an attraction trait rather yeah. than a distraction trait. Yeah. That's really the more you, you attract people when you're happy, You've got a purpose in life. You're full of conviction. You're focused, yeah. and you're quite straight in what you want. What yeah. People will to do then, and then before you know it, you won't even know it. You start making deals.
0: Yeah, that's start awesome. Making progress. That's yeah? awesome. And I have a one final question for you. So, how many people are, how many people do you get into your masterminds? Like, do you have certain limit or?
1: Yes. So in, the, uh, in each of our programs, we're, we're keeping it a limit to 10 people at a time for mm-hmm. each because mm-hmm. we want to have that one-to-one interaction, but we want everybody to have a massive interaction with each other as well because yes. it's really important when you do that. And, and for me, I don't necessarily like to have a huge, humongous group for these programs because yeah. then you know, it's difficult for people to get to know each other. And sometimes I don't want somebody to become a tiny dot on the screen yeah. I want them to make a big picture in a big, in a, in a, in a big space where they can actually interact. So we try and keep it to a limit to 10, 10 people per group. Yeah. Um, we, we obviously have a number of different groups that run at the same time.
0: Okay. Awesome. And I always like to end the episode with just asking you this question. So what, what is your definition of success? My definition of
1: success is doing what I love, getting satisfaction out of it by helping others and fixing their lives and getting the rewards back for me are seeing smiley faces on people, seeing the fact achieve the goals that they want to do and that is what makes me feel really happy and that's the key to my success is my passion and people understanding my passion and doing something with it and and with everybody i would say believe in yourself believe in what you do you are as good as anybody else is way up there you're as good as any billionaire that's up there you are you're made of the same material the same organs the same body biological makeup and you can be on the same level as them, so don't ever think that there. This world is a hierarchy that you can never get to the yeah. top of that because you're already there. You just yeah. got to see.
0: Yeah. Oh my God, that was yeah. awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. It was yeah. it was a pleasure. It's no. pleasure talking to you. <laughs> you
1: too. I absolutely love talking to you. And uh, yeah. Ada, anytime you need want me again, just just give me a shout. I'm more than happy. More than Perfect. happy. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Oh. Thank, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. you. Yeah,
1: have a great day. Okay. Bye. 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 bye.